there were so few seats at the table for, for some of us. Many younger women seemed a little bit concerned about going to a senior woman and taking her time. And yet I found when I opened that door and kind of just walked in and said, I'd love to speak to you, the door was open and they were willing to speak with me. Some of them were stern. Some of them didn't really have much time. They'd say, you have five minutes. But it was through those conversations that my career evolved. Welcome to You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. You are ambitious in life and in your career, but something is missing. You want to bring more of your passion to what you do, because let's be honest, you pour a ton into your work and it needs to mean more. I'm your host, Laura Eigel. I'm a mom, wife, PhD, coach, advocate, introvert, and indoor rowing fanatic. I'm passionate about living a life that's in line with my values. We'll give you the actionable tips and tools you need to lead with your values, make a difference, and have career success. The world needs more diversity and authenticity in the top jobs at organizations. Your leadership belongs there. You belong in the C-suite. Hi there, friends. My first book, Values First, How Knowing Your Core Beliefs Can Get You the Life and Career You Want, is now out in the world. Thank you so much for your support of the book. With your help, we are a number one Amazon bestseller in the business ethics category and a number one new release for time management in business and business etiquette. I have poured my heart into this book with personal stories and stories for my coaching clients using the values first framework. Between the constant pressure of job performance and demands on your time, it's easy to lose sight of your values, letting them shift out of alignment. Those simple misalignments are keeping you from feeling joyful and fulfilled. Learn how to recenter your life and career around what truly matters to you. Order Values First now at your favorite independent bookstore or at Barnes and Noble or Amazon. I wanna make sure that you are the first to know about every book activity that we have in store, including virtual and in-person events. Stay up to date by joining our list at thecatchgroup.com slash values first. That's thecatchgroup.com slash values first. Welcome to the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. I'm excited to introduce our guest today, Karen Gamba. Karen Gamba is the co-founder and CMO of the EXV Agency an international event production and business development agency that also offers clients exclusive personal branding strategies. Karen was born and raised in South Africa and built her career in New York City. She is currently expanding EXB agency's global reach with their recent launch of an office in Hong Kong. With a strong focus on unique business development campaigns, Karen has worked with some of the largest firms in the world. She has also shared her creative approach with startups, emerging businesses and individuals looking to elevate their visibility. Her mission is to uplift as many individuals as possible through sustainable entrepreneurship practices that empowers communities at large. Her passion comes from experiencing the ingenuity of women in Africa firsthand who are able to provide for their families, even with the odds stacks against them. It is because of these women that Karen co-founded Women Building Women a nonprofit that supports marginalized women through education, mentorship, and career strategies. It was such a pleasure to connect with Karen 
We talked about how she built her personal brand, how she works with clients to build their brands tied to their values, and how we can use both stories of triumph and of failure to be authentic with our audiences. We also talked about how her company is creating spaces for companies to not only discuss, but to act on their values, to build connection and strategic action. Let's get started. I want to welcome you to the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. Thank you so much for joining us today, Karen. Thank you, Laura. I have been so excited to speak with you. I really appreciate you having me on the show. Well, I am excited for our listeners to hear more about you and to dive into our conversation. Before I bombard you with all of the questions that I have for you, do you mind telling us a little bit more about your story? Oh, absolutely. Um, It's a long one. I'll try and keep it short. I was born in South Africa, but I built my career in New York City in corporate America. I worked mostly for global law firms, and um, it was within that world where I was starting to see a bit of a disconnect, where everything on the surface looked great, but I was seeing a lot of closed doors for certain people and, and no access for certain people. I have to say I'm grateful for the journey I had coming from South Africa and college and being able to get into this kind of high profile international world, very high profile people, very highly educated people, and seeing that there were flaws in the system. I don't think I realized initially that they were flaws, which makes me age myself a little bit. But but I think over time, I was starting to realize that something wasn't connecting. And I simply mean it in the fact that I would be sitting in a boardroom when I was working as an assistant and um, maybe taking notes and realizing that everyone around that table was a male, knowing that there were senior women associates that uh, were highly qualified, that had, you know, some of them had Ivy League educations, but they they weren't represented the way I was hoping to see them represented. When I went to conferences later on in my career, as I was kind of climbing the ladder, I saw more of the same thing. It was a sea of, of male suits. Now, I have absolutely nothing against corporate males. It was just that I was starting to feel something inside of me like, um, you should be doing something about this. You're obviously not happy about the fact that so many of your uh, women colleagues aren't really on the stage. What more could you be doing? It really started with my journey kind of walked in a way where I started having conversations with some of the senior women on different teams in different sectors of of the law firm. Some of them were in marketing, some of them were attorneys, some of them were in human resources. And we were really just sharing information And at this time, it was still kind of taboo for, a little bit taboo for me anyway, I don't want to speak for everybody, for women to approach senior women. There were so few seats at the table for for some of us. Many younger women seemed a little bit concerned about going to a senior woman and taking her time. And yet I found when I opened that door and kind of just walked in and said, I'd love to speak to you, the door was open. And they were willing to speak with me. Some of them were stern. Some of them didn't really have much time. They'd say, you have five minutes. But it was through those conversations that my career evolved. I started realizing that eventually I needed to go out on my own and start creating opportunities for women. That did not exclude men. Because the one thing I didn't want to do was kind of repeat mistakes that came before me. That's when I started my business. 
that's when my nonprofit came about, which is called Women Building Women. And Women Building Women works with young men as well. The only difference with it is we work with young males that learn from senior women where they grow up in a world where women in leadership is the norm instead of something strange that when they do get to the workforce, it's, it's strange to see a woman at a table or it seems like some kind of commodity. So long story short on my journey is that, you know, growing up in South Africa, I realized that there were lots of women who were providing for their families with very little resources and finding a way. And I think once I got to corporate America, I realized I needed to start relying on some of that resourcefulness that women with very few resources had to find a way for themselves in the world. These were women who had very little but started businesses, even food businesses to support their families. Sometimes uh, what is considered then as a head of household, which was a husband was missing or, or gone or, or deceased for whatever reason. And it was really that inspiration from where I came from that evolved my career over time. And I'm grateful for the moments in corporate America where I felt stuck or I felt like I wasn't progressing because it really helped with how I run my business and how I deal with my colleagues and employees today. And that is part of what I hope we will be discussing today is just realizing that every part of this journey is meaningful and it, it's not a mistake if you look at the lesson that is learned in it. And yeah, so now we have managed to grow our business. I've been running it since 2015. And when I found my right partner, we are now running it in New York, Atlanta, and Hong Kong. I'm based in Hong Kong right now. Seeing the evolution of where I started to now has been really gratifying. But as you know, Laura, we are growing every day. But I don't feel like there's an end to a story. I always feel like every day is kind of a new beginning for me. So the story continues. Thank you so much for giving us more context in your journey and your story. I know that you help others build their personal brands. How did, how did you do that? I feel like I heard glimpses from your, the story you just told, but how did you build your personal brand as you built your career and different roles that you were in from being in corporate to then starting your, the business with your partner? Can you tell me more about that and any pivotal moments for you? I think it was a journey of self-discovery every single day where I had something in my mind where you get to this point where in corporate America, you're earning a salary. You think everything's fine. I can afford an apartment. I can afford to buy little things that I need. And you think it's enough, especially when you're younger and you're starting out. But there's a very big difference between a passion, a career and a job. You know, there's very different things between that. And it took me a while to realize that. But I often, when I speak to people or when I mentor women or anyone I'm working with, I say it's sometimes just as important to know what you don't want out of life as you do. And I was always a very curious person. I always asked a lot of questions and I always consider myself a lifelong research student. So as I was alluding to before, when I didn't have the answers to what I needed out of life, I started having conversations. I wanted to see if others felt the same way. I wanted to know if I was out of line, like, you know, am I seeing this wrong? Or is this just how things are done? And it was through conversation that certain things were revealed to me. So in the personal branding world, as I was starting to kind of 
discover more about myself and realizing that asking questions is a very important part of what we do, no matter what industry you're in, I realized that a great way to build a brand is to just have very serious and deep-rooted conversations with people that takes all the fluff aside. It's so much more than just a brand or a logo or a website or something that looks a cool video that plays when you click on the URL. The brand is about you. The brand is about your core values. The brand is where you started. And the compass that has led me through my entire life with every decision I made in my career led to my values, to how I was raised, to my family and everything around me. That has not changed. Many things in my life has changed. As I said, I now live in Hong Kong. So, but the value and the compass that drives me is the same. So when I speak to people about their brand and they cannot figure things out, I tell them to start there. Let's start with the values. Let's start with the simple things that move you. Some of the best conversations I've had with people in their lives were running giant tech companies. And the way we discovered how they wanted to build their personal brand came down to them saying simple, something as simple as this. The most important thing to me in my life when I was younger was sitting around my Italian mother's table on a Sunday when she was making her meatballs and pasta. Now, what does that have to do with technology? Most people won't make the connection. But what happens is when you dig deep into the things that move someone, that's where the brand is born. That's where you start discovering and uncovering what it is that drove this person to go into this industry. Why are they selling this product or service? What is it that moves them every day to stay motivated for their clients and to do the best possible job they can for their clients? So honestly, Laura, a big part of what I do is have conversations with people. I'm like a mini journalist and I'm like, I do not want to talk about the fact that you look at spreadsheets all day. I want to talk to the eight-year-old boy that decided you wanted to become an accountant. That's where we go with this. And I'm not saying that's the method everybody should use, but that's what's really elevated our business because people don't really see it coming. People think that when you talk about a brand or, or building something for themselves, it has to do with a beautiful font or a beautiful website. That comes so much later. It's such an internal discovery. And sometimes it's hard to do that. It's hard to have that conversation because not everybody's story is beautiful. And not everybody's values stem from a place that is a, you know, a tight family unit or something that many people see as a starting block in their lives. So I've had the ability to have incredible conversations with incredible people and the gratification of what I do in my work and what my business partner and I do in our work is being able to uncover stories that some people may never know, but we are privy to this beautiful dialogue and this beautiful connection with someone that was open enough to share that with us so we could do the best possible job we can to help them reach their goals. So I think for anyone who is interested in personal branding, it's really about uncovering the layers. It's so much more than just wanting to be a fashion influencer. What is the thing that led you there? And why do you want to do it? And will this be a passion that carries you through your life? Because that's an important thing too. A flash in the pan is fine. If, if that's what you want right now, that's great. But think about your future and how your choices and your brand will be influenced and we live in a world now where the track record is inevitable. Everything is recorded. Everything has a timestamp and a date stamp. So 
I just implore people, especially when I'm working with younger clients, to always consider that with their brand, that what they're putting out there leads back to one day when they're 65 and they're looking back, will they, will they be happy with the legacy they left behind? Sounds very dire, doesn't it? <laughs> no, I, I love that it's, it roots back to your values. You know that I love that because that's <laughs> really how we connected. Really was the, Absolutely. <laughs> was uh, the synergies that we both have with connecting back to core values. So as you built your own personal brand, what values do you root back in for yourself? I think about my family unit. It was simple things of my dad was always home for dinner. We always had dinner around the table, but there was always this conversation that was happening. We were always kind of sharing about our day, whether it was school, a good day, a bad day, whatever. But there was something about my journey that I feel, I feel very privileged that I had this. I'm not saying my family's perfect. Nobody's family's perfect. But there was always this safety net with my family. And I think it allowed me to do the things I was able to do. And I realized that not everybody has that opportunity, that I was able to explore, that I was able to study and learn and and research and have the careers I've had and take the leap of faith with my business. Because I knew, always knew that if, heaven forbid, something went wrong, I always knew I could go home. My parents made that very clear to me from day one. They said, I don't care if you're 97 years old and your business is botched, you come home to us. I don't know how old they are when I'm 97, but that's beside the point, Laura. <laughs> we're, we're visual people, we're storytellers, you know, whatever. And I think that's what drew me. That's my personal story was that I knew I could take certain chances. And it's not even about you know, my family isn't wealthy. We come from, you know, very, very simple means, but that family unit and that love and that um, support I always had was what built my brand. And being able to give my clients that feeling of safety and that they have a soft place to fall and that I have their back and that my business partner and my employees and my team have their back is the value I share. Is that, listen, we, we might take some risks and we might this might not work. We might have to try another strategy soon, but we're in this together. We're going to hold your hand through this. That has been the difference for us because we are very hands-on with our clients. We don't come up with a strategy for them and then leave them out in the middle of the ocean. We are with them soup to nuts, whether they like it or not, poor people. And this is kind of what has helped us build these authentic connections with our clients we are global, but we also have very core relationships that has helped us grow. There are clients I know, and I can say without a doubt, that will be with us until the end of time. And it is because of that connectivity. And it is because of those values that we manage to share and have them realize that we are a support for them, that I am there for them. And then it stems back to the fact that my family was there for me. And that's how it all kind of comes together. I hope that made sense. (laughs) I love that personal example. And I love this. I think this is is such a great example of how I talk about this idea of your authentic leadership and living a life of your values through your leadership. And you do that based on, like you said, values that were important to you that you had growing up and you lead that way with those first and foremost. And that is what gives you the culture that you have at your company with your partner, 
with your clients, which leads to long-term success and all of those things. And um, I just, I love that example. Um, Another thing that you said though, too, you said, you know, we'll be here for the ups and the downs and authentic does not mean everything is perfect all the time. So I'd love for us to dig into this idea of story. And often we hear about all these stories of triumph, right? But what place do you think our stories of failure or of maybe our value comes from a place of we wanted something that we didn't have, right? That's still our experience. And so how can you weave those into your kind of personal narrative, your brand? How can we leverage those stories more? And is that something that you find that people try and shy away from that? Or is it something that they like to share? Can you tell me a little bit more and elaborate? I think it depends. Some people are very open to sharing, but vulnerability, as you know, is a very personal thing. And being able to be vulnerable enough to share uh, a failure, especially a real egg on your face failure is, is not so easy. Stemming from my personal experience, I was still working in corporate America and I was starting my business at the same time. So I was working my nine to eight. When I got home, I started working on my business and I was burning out like crazy. And I was still kind of on the fence of trying to figure out what I wanted to do. I didn't just leap from corporate America and into this success. There was so much failure and so many bad decisions and so many bad partnerships that got me here. And I was in a very dark place for a while. I was going through a very difficult time where I felt like something was wrong with me because I couldn't figure it out. I think we grow up in a society where people think when you hit a certain age, you should have it figured out. I mean, by the time my parents were quite young, they had a home, a white picket fence and children. And we're living in a world now where that's very hard to achieve for, for many, you know, mostly because they'll spend the rest, the rest of their lives paying off student loans and all other stuff that's going on. So I think for me, the breakthrough was a particularly bad experience I had with someone who I trusted, who I thought was going to be my business partner for what I would build out for EXV to be. And this person turned out to be a disappointment, was unkind about it as well, like said something really cutting to me. So it wasn't just a, an amicable departure. They, they were hurtful. And so I had this, this really tough moment where I was hurt. I didn't know what I was going to do. And I was trying to figure things out. And I felt like I was clutching at straws because I think that so many of us are driven by what other people think. And I was always someone who was so careful about maintaining a certain facade and having people think that I had it figured out and that it was always okay. Especially as a woman that was kind of trying to make my way in the world, I didn't want other women to think of me as weak or that you know I was showing any kind of vulnerability. And that was the problem, was because I was internalizing all of this stuff. The breakthrough came was when I was starting to have these different conversations with mentees or women who looked up to me and saying, I don't have this all figured out. I am waking up in the morning and I'm trying to figure out how to put my feet on the floor and keep moving forward. And I found out that it was incredibly therapeutic. Not to say I didn't go to therapy. I'm very, very open to therapy and I encourage everyone to go. But it was very therapeutic for me to start acknowledging what was going wrong and speaking to it and speaking about it to others. I'm not talking about lamenting to someone for three hours about everything that went wrong in my life. What I'm saying is 
owning up to what went wrong, figuring out why it went wrong, and realizing that I had to stop blaming myself. I had to take responsibility, but not blame myself. And those are two very different things. And I think often we carry this baggage uh, where we live in this fantasy world of trying to figure out what we could have done differently. And it just holds us back. So the minute I started acknowledging what went wrong, how I could do things differently, how I could find a way to be more effective in my work and be more effective in as a leader, as a mentor, things started to shift. And seeing those pitfalls as an opportunity changed everything for me. So I am very, very open to, to saying to people, you know, what, what happened? Why did your restaurant close? And, and why do you want to open a bicycle shop now? Tell me about this journey. And sometimes it's like pulling teeth. People feel like it's a bad thing to talk about what went wrong, but it's amazing what gets revealed. It's amazing how much clarity comes, really floats to the surface when you start examining what went wrong and realizing all the pieces and all the parts that play. It's never one person's fault. There's always other factors that come into play. And I think as business owners, as entrepreneurs, we shoulder so much and we find it so hard to share. And there's not too many communities out there that allow us to do so. There's not that many forums out there that allows that voice where you could be vulnerable, which is part of what I was mentioning to you earlier about we have to start groups and forums where we can have candid conversations one of my favorite clients that I have that I'm working with right now, if we have a 30 minute consultation or a working session planned, I always plan to have 35 to 40 minutes with her because we, we powwow about clients and solutions and we brainstorm for 10 minutes before we get to work. And it's so therapeutic, it's so helpful, it's so really peaceful to connect with someone and realize that you're not in this alone. So I really encourage people to look at those dark moments and see what you can uncover in the lesson because there's lessons everywhere. And sometimes it's hard to go there because it's still raw and it's hurtful. But I say give it time. I found some of the greatest value in building my business in the darkest moments of my failures. I Thank you so much for modeling that with that personal story. I thought that was so well done. And I love how self-reflection is a huge part of all of this. I could not agree more in this idea of these points of clarity, right? Um, that come from it. And even just talking about the lessons that we learned. I was once at a leadership conference and there's a panel of executives and um, there was one woman on the panel. She told a story about a failure, a huge failure that she had in her career huge brand launch, completely failed, completely failed. And she was the only one that talked about it and what she learned. And I couldn't tell you who else was on the panel. I couldn't tell you what bro was next to her, right? Because they're all, they're all bros. Not all of them. I'm, I'm, I'm making, I'm making a joke, but the idea that I, I don't remember anything else. I remember that story because she was vulnerable to talk about it. She talked about, Hey, I'm still here. I'm still in this big job. I'm still doing all these other things. I actually got this job because they trusted me enough after that launch failure to do something else. 
And so this idea that if we fail, it's all over. Um, she dispelled that myth, but that was the memory that I had and it stuck with me. And I just think about how many, how many times have I been in these situations to hear leaders talk about failures and often they don't, but those are the stories that people will remember. I have to agree with you. There's power in it because we live in this world where everything is glossy and beautiful. You can filter a photograph, you can change your background, you can do all of these things. And when we look at social media, for instance, everybody portrays these perfect lives. And it puts so much pressure on people who are affected by that because some people are. And um, I think we do live in this world where there's this very high bar of trying to live a certain life. And many of us are trying to aspire to something that isn't even real. And so I believe that that's why you have, and, and I know exactly what you mean, where I've been out to a conference and I've heard that story where everything else is, now I'm the CEO, I was able to build this team, I did this, our profits went up by 5 million percent. But the one that stands out was the person that says, let me tell you about the day I crashed my car, missed my interview, broke my toe, and had to walk seven miles in the rain. Those are the stories that come to, because the, within that story, you learn how this person navigated their way to a, new, to a new road. And I think that's what we connect with. And more than anything, I would love to know what you have seen on this journey. I'm talking about the journey of the pandemic, where we became, there was a moment where we were all living in a, in a little bubble. We were disconnected from each other. And what I found living in a part and living in this world while we were navigating our way out of this was that people were really looking for authentic connections. I find now that when I speak to clients, it's a very different client to the client I had two years ago. They don't want any nonsense. They don't want any fluff. They want to cut to the chase. They want to know, are you the person I should be dealing with and why? Why are we connecting? And I'm not saying there's no courtship of being able to get to know someone, but it's so much less fanfare and fluff nowadays. I feel like people are really just trying to get to the bottom of, of, of solutions and how they can move forward in my life. So I'm curious to see if you agree or disagree that you've seen a shift in how people are approaching their lives, approaching business, approaching how they are prioritizing values, transactions, relationships. And, and I'd be curious to know what you've seen. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I think there's been a shift. If we think about just the world of employee employer, right? In corporate America, I think there's been a shift in the social contract. I think before it's almost like real estate, right? Like it's a, a buyer's market, seller's market. And at least in America, it had felt like it, it was a, an employer's market, right? For a long time. Yes, there is a war for talent and all the other things that we say, but this idea that, you know, employers kind of hold the power. Yeah. And I think through the pandemic, people are like, wait, wait, wait a minute. I actually hold on more, not, and they might not think of it as power, but I think they're, they're shifting the power back to themselves. And I think yeah. we did that collectively. And so I think that that social contract with employee employer has shifted a bit more to the employees. So now it's a buyer's market. It's an employee's market and people are making different decisions. The ones that maybe they 
didn't realize they loved working from home, or they saw how an employer, how they thought they were aligned, but they saw them in a crisis and maybe they didn't like it. And so I think they have a higher standard now. And I think people are looking really for what is it that I really want? And is this really what I should be doing? Um, and am I aligned to this employer? Because guess what? There's a ton of really great companies out there and employees have a ton to offer whatever their level, whether you're an executive or just entering the workforce. So I think, yes, I have seen that shift of just this idea of less of the great resignation, more of the point of reflection and mm -hmm. we have more non-negotiables now. I've seen it in many things. There's been women that I coach that, you know, what they would have almost put up with before from an employer, whether it was like a long commute or um, long hours or higher travel, whatever, they're, they're not doing that anymore. They're saying, no, I'm not going to travel, you know, 40 to 50% of the time. It's just not what I'm going to do. I'm going to be here at home with my family. I'll still work really hard and I'll do yeah. that, but I'm, I'm not, I'm going to do that while I'm, while I'm here. Um, and so I think technology has shown us we can do a ton, you know, you and I are connecting here right now. We've ne probably wouldn't have done that a couple of years ago. And so I think, yes, I have seen a shift to this kind of social contract. And that I think it's a good shift because before the shift, the decisions that we would make, I know I did the same early in career. I would, if I had to make a decision, whether it was me giving time to myself or to my employer, you know, usually it would go to employer, right? Yeah. It would, it would mean working more or rescheduling vacation or whatever it is. And those are decisions that I made. Right. But now I think people are looking at those everyday decisions and I've seen it with my clients is that they are making those decisions for themselves rooted in their values. And once you do it with the small decisions, right, it's easier to make them with the big decisions. And so I think I have seen a shift to your point of, hey, let's just kind of get down to business, but get down to business, meaning do we connect on a fundamental level? Like yeah. I, I think people have a litmus test now, maybe so they just <laughs> want to get to it, um, which is great, but they want to get to it in a way for connection to understand, is this really going to work? Got it. You had this client and this outcome, this and that, like, how did you do it? How will we partner together if it's an employer and an employee? Like, no, really, how do you lead? Like, can you give me an examples of that? Like, what is it really going to be like to work for you? So I think people are asking those, those questions because that's, it's just so important to them. And which is, I, I think, a, a very big benefit of pandemic life. I 100% agree with you. And it's always nice to hear someone else's perspective about this because we've been seeing the shift now. And I think what you said was important about it takes that one small decision that really empowers you to realize that if I make the small shift that gives me so much more value to my life or to where I'm able to give back to my family, what happens if I do this? And I have these non-negotiables in my life that I'm no longer going to sacrifice. And I'm seeing it with my clients. It's important that I, I think your listeners know that we have more choices and options now than we ever did, and that they should never feel so stifled by a decision, you know, where they're 
rock and hard place. Do I take this job? Do I not take this job? They have the opportunity to ask those questions now and figure out if it's going to bring them value. Years ago, it would be three points on paper. Does it pay enough? Do I get a week's vacation? And, and it was enough. It was enough for us. We would sign up. We would sign our lives away. And now, like you said, the dynamic back in the day was employer heavy. Now people are seeing it. And I mentioned this, I, the, the pandemic had many negative effects and, and people really hurt by it. But I, I like to look at the good that comes from these challenging situations that we've been through as a global society and look at how we shifted in the right direction that we are still evolving and not devolving for heaven's sakes and moving towards something where we can be better about our lives and each other and how we collaborate. And so, yeah, I, I'm glad to see you're, you're seeing the shift too in a good way. Yeah, I, th I think so. And I think, you know, it's, it's hard to do some of those things, but I've also seen, you know, leaders, once they've done it, they realize, oh, like you said, this little shift has made such a huge impact. Okay, what else could I do? And what other little shifts do I need to make? I'd love to know what kinds of things do you do? How do you ensure or make decisions for yourself, your family, your business um, that are small things, but have made a huge impact? What are some of the things that you do? The simplest things, and it may even sound silly, where, you know, I've, I've been working from home for several years. By the time the pandemic hit, I was already working from home. I was al already engaging in this type of lifestyle. But what I was finding, and I think many people find this when they're entrepreneurs and they're, they're building a business, is that you tend to sit and work in front of your screens and you do not move. I was finding a point where I would get a text message and I'd look at my phone and realize it was 4 p.m. and I hadn't eaten. I'd been living on coffee. And the one thing I had promised myself when I was in that dark place that I was speaking to you about earlier was that I was not going to neglect myself again to be sick over a job, over a work, over a business. I was not going to do that to myself. And I was finding this cycle kind of repeating again where I was building my business and neglecting myself. And so I started just putting little calendar notes to myself where like 10.30 p.m., I, I write funny notes to myself on my calendar, like, hey, you fabulous chick, why don't you take a 10 minute walk? And so every day I do something silly or different or, you know, I schedule it for several days ahead so that it pops up. And sometimes I cannot take a break in that moment because I'm either getting ready for a call or something. But those little reminders I sent to myself with my silly sense of humor has worked for me where I realize, okay, you've been working consistently, staring at the screen, staring at this document or whatever it is, get up, take the dog, go for a tenant walk, go do something for yourself, make sure you have nutrition in your body and that you've eaten, make yourself a nice cup of tea, take that break. So I'm just talking about self-care right now. But I have to say, it's a very, very important thing that has shifted everything in my business because, you know, there's points where I'm working on something for a client and I'm basically reading the same line over and over again because I'm not present. I'm hungry I, and I don't realize I'm hungry or it's something as simple as that. And so I really encourage people to be aware of that, to, to you know, put little reminders in place. If you're someone that can go for hours and hours without eating, 
that's not a good thing. If you're someone who can go hours and hours with not sleeping, that's not something you should be bragging about. It's not good for you. So, you know, schedule time to take care of yourself. It has improved the quality of my work. It's improved the quality of what I do. And I am now very conscious of putting a stop to my day. What I told you earlier about the time it is here, we won't speak about that, but I do have parameters <laughs> in place where enough is enough. I've worked enough. I turn off my phone. I am not a heart surgeon. Nothing is going to happen to anybody if I don't respond to their email for five hours. Nothing. And getting to that point where I realized that has been important, which leads back to the authenticity connection. I'm very honest with my clients about how I work, how my team works, and what they can expect. I am a very big proponent of under-promise, over-deliver. Do not make hefty promises that you cannot keep just to attract a client. Make sure what your capabilities are and stick to it. And throw in some extra stuff to really wow your client that doesn't take too much time, but never ever promise things that you're still figuring out unless you really have a game plan for it, because that's where the burnout happens. We're, we're trying to achieve something that isn't realistic. And there's enough pressure that comes with running a business. It's a play to your strengths. Start with one thing, build out that one thing and make it work. Then you can start producing in different colors and different cuts and hemlines, then go crazy. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much for sharing. Um, and I, I love how you do it in a fun way to build breaks. And it probably brings a smile to your face just for the notes that your earlier self is leaving your future self. It's great. That's really wonderful. <laughs> That's great. So I, um, I want to know a little bit more. You talked a little bit about it, these, I, this idea of kind of global vulnerable conversations. Um, and so you mentioned to me earlier this idea of global digital conversations that your company is going to be doing more of. Can you tell me a little bit more about that and how we might be able to get involved? I, I would love for you and your team to be involved in something like this because it really falls in place with what you're trying to achieve with your business as well. I have gotten to the point in my life where I believe that people should put their money where their mouth is. I turn on the news, I'm listening to CNBC or a news report or an ad or whatever it is from a big company or a tourism company or an airline. And all you hear is ESG, sustainability, diversity, equity, inclusion, all these buzzwords. It infuriates me. Not because I do not care about these things. I care about these things deeply. And so does my, my company and my employees and my partner. What I want to know from people is what are you doing to achieve these goals? So as you know, we're called the EXV Agency. We are starting a platform called The Exchange, where we're just going to be having candid conversations with some senior executives from different global companies, small, medium, very large companies, and hearing about their journey, about how they are trying to achieve these things. You're speaking about you know, your carbon footprint, you're, you're talking about, you know, a zero paper policy, what are you actually doing and putting in place to achieve this, or all these just words that you're putting on your marketing materials to attract a certain audience, because you now have clients that are very, very aware and intelligent about what's happening in the world. So it started with a conversation I had several years ago with several women in different industries that were in business development. 
And it was as simple as, you know, my mother back in the day would walk into a store like um, Clinique and buy a makeup brush and know it was a good brand, a good brush. She would buy it because Clinique or, or L'Oreal or whatever was a well-known brand and that was enough. The client you're looking at today wants to know where that brush, makeup brush was source, sourced from. Is it animal friendly? Is it vegan? Is it sustainable? Is it biodegradable? All of these things. My parents didn't think about those things when they were shopping. We're living in a world now where clients are hyper aware of what you're leaving behind. Every single moment we are on this world, on this planet, and we're having a conversation, we are continuously leaving a, a legacy. No pressure, Laura. And I, I think we need to be hyper aware of what we're leaving behind and, and what people are seeing about the conversations we're having. So we are pulling this forum together. It's going to be a series of events that'll be ongoing. We're, we, we want to put multi-industry people together. We really want to shake it up and talk about what people are doing in their companies to achieve these words that they are putting on their marketing materials. And what we'd like to do is for people who do not have a plan to achieve this diversity, equity, and inclusion world that they'd like to inhabit, be able to connect them with the resources that are going to get them there. Because people, the reason why this started was because of my experience in corporate America, when they get to a, a certain senior place in the world and people are looking at them, they are afraid to say, I do not know how to do this. They are afraid to be vulnerable because, again, it's that whole thing of everyone's looking at me. I cannot be vulnerable. I do not judge them. I have been there. But we want people to kind of let their guard down a little bit so we can help them. I'm not talking about us alone. I'm talking as a collaborative, as a community. I want company A to say to company B, hey, you're talking about sustainability. We're working with this great company that comes in and kind of works with you and your team to do this. Hey, you need a better data capturing policy. We're working with this amazing vendor that's going to do that. So it's very solutions focused. But again, also, I want people to see that there's vulnerabilities at all levels of management, at all levels of seniority, and that there is a solution for it if you have a conversation. I love that. And I love that you're creating the space to have that safe dialogue. And I can't imagine like how much connection and hopefully action taking will happen because of those conversations. It's a, we, we'll see how it goes, Laura. I'm hoping that you will be at that digital table with us for some of these discussions as well. But we have high hopes of, of trying to let people realize that it's okay to say if you don't know how to do something because we've got you. Absolutely. And it takes that vulnerability, right? That we were talking about before. Um, I don't know how, and, but I'm open to learning and tell me about your experience. Give me your advice, all of those kinds of things. So I, I really, I'm, I'm excited for these conversations because it has to be more than just something that you put on a marketing brochure or your website or, you know, the, the values poster on the wall, right? Oh my gosh. And, and we've all seen that poster on the wall though. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we have. We have. Yeah, so we're we're trying to get be, to the the practice what you preach stage of life and you know keep these conversations going and you know we are looking forward to making this a global conversation. And this is not about people just sharing about their failures, but it's about connecting people in a a community of help and resourcefulness. 
because I don't really see, I see a lot of memberships out in the world for different business organizations and, and very senior Ivy League type organizations. But I'm wondering what conversations they're having to provide this level of value. And I know there's, there's a lot of communities that have great conversations and great memberships. We're just, we're trying to really get to the nitty gritty of this and see how we can be an additional help to, to businesses established and growing and emerging as best we can. I am- How can people connect with you to find more about these conversations and your company? So right now, if um, you just go to Karen Gamba on LinkedIn, I post uh, a lot of my updates there. But if you visit um, exv-agency.com, our website, we will be posting some of these exchanges that are coming up, some upcoming events. We're looking at as of July, August to launch this. And uh, but there will be a press release that comes out with this ahead of time. So we will definitely, if you're open to it, uh, keeping keep you posted about that, Laura, because like I said, um, you will never be rid of me now. Now that you have invited <laughs> me to your table, I, I really look forward to continuing conversations and, you know, finding solutions for the people in our communities and businesses as well. I am a very strong believer that we can find great solutions, great collaboration, and great partnerships if we find our values. And I know that your book that you put out into the world um, is going to be a wonderful resource for businesses out there as well. So I know this is your show. I'm not stealing your microphone, but I'm really encouraging people to look into resources like that if they don't know how to, to figure it out. Laura, Dr. Laura will help you all. I'm telling <laughs> you all right now, listen to my words. <laughs> Well, I just appreciate all of your kind words too. Thank you. <laughs> it has been a pleasure getting to know you and I know that we will connect again soon, but thank you so much for sharing your story and being vulnerable with our audience here today. Thank you so much, Karen. Thank you for having me. I want to thank you so much for listening to the You Belong in the C-Suite podcast. If you are enjoying this content, please remember to rate and review on Apple Podcasts. By leaving a review, you are helping others find this content. We will be featuring five-star reviews on air in upcoming episodes. Editing and support for the podcast is done by S&E Podcast Management. To get more tips and tools to help you live a life guided by your values, go to thecatchgroup.com. Keep your boundaries and take care. Thank you.